Hello everyone and welcome to episode four of the Health and Wellbeing Hype, the sequel podcast by Martina Controtis. Last episode, I was joined by Nicholas Wilkinson to discuss transformation, fat versus weight loss, and how training links in with mental health. I am so thrilled today to announce that this episode, I am joined by Eleni Zenu, who is an accredited practicing dietitian at Tree of Life Nutrition. She works for a variety of doctors' clinics across Brisbane and specializes in women's health. Thank you so much for joining me, Eleni. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you, Martina. It's so exciting to be here. Tell me a little bit about the type of work that you do. So I work in a variety of different settings. So some days I'm working at doctor's offices, seeing um, patients for a variety of conditions, whether that be weight loss, cholesterol, uh, blood pressure or diabetes, lots of different conditions. Um, and then other days I'm working in women's health clinics, which is my passion area, um, seeing women for a variety of um, different conditions, including PCOS, endo, fertility, pregnancy, postnatal nutrition. So I work across the board. I also dabble a little bit too in food industry. So helping to produce new food products um, for food manufacturing. That is amazing. Now tell me a little bit about why you've chosen to specialize in women's health. So working in women's health is one of the best things you can do, in my opinion, as a dietitian, because it's super, super rewarding. So of course, with fertility and pregnancy, you get to enjoy the journey of um, pregnancy. And at the end, you get the lovely reward of um, helping your clients to, um, you know, have a baby and start their families or to grow their families. Um, you know, with other women's related conditions, it's improving quality of life, reducing, you know, pain or helping periods be regular or whatever it is. It's a lot more rewarding, I think, when you are helping people to have a better quality quality of life. And what are some facts you can share about women's health? So I would say that um, thinking about your nutrition at any age is super important for anyone, um, particularly for women, because, you know, we go through different phases of life, you know, whether it's puberty and our hormones are changing or um, when, when you're you know, in your early 20s and you're thinking about having kids in a few years um, or you're planning pregnancy or, you know, even into menopause, thinking about, you know, how nutrition is going to affect how your body changes. So as a woman, we really should be thinking about nutrition throughout our lifespan and what that looks like. And I'd say if I had to reflect upon maybe the number one thing that I tell women nutrition wise that they need to be doing, um, it would be eating regularly. I see a lot of women that come in um, not eating regularly and it's always actually the first step that we do just to see what's going on. Eating Our bodies really need that regular dose of glucose throughout the day. But another thing that we look at in women and really everyone is gut health. So people usually will come with um, you know, one condition or one sort of um, problem that they're looking to have some um, resolutions for. But typically, there's always an underlying gut element to it. So you'll hear dietitians talk a lot about gut health and the gut microbiome, which is the billions and billions of bacteria that inhabit our the lining of our gut. Um, and so much of our health, particularly as women, is governed around the diversity and the happiness of the bacteria in our gut. So a lot of the times the starting point for 
women's health is actually gut health because uh, the gut health affects everything in the body. And at the end of the day, it comes down to the vagus nerve, which is new and emerging research. And I could talk about it all day, um, <laughs> but I would recommend re researching uh, a little bit more into the into gut health stuff if um, that interests you. That is really interesting. I didn't even know like the role that gut health really plays. It's amazing how it really can impact you so much. And I'm sure our listeners have really learned quite a new fact today about that, which is very exciting. So when discussing how women can benefit from seeing a dietitian, what do you think would be, you know, some of the main points to take away from that? Yeah, definitely. So like I said, nutrition is something we should be thinking about every point in our life whether it's wanting to improve diet quality, body image, or wanting to manage your weight, or if it's like I was saying, like if you have a condition like um, endo, PCOS, adenomyosis, if you have um, insulin resistance, or if you've been told you're at risk for other chronic conditions, um, it's definitely important to be speaking to a dietitian. If you're a woman who's looking at freezing her eggs, definitely be looking at talking to a dietitian to ensure that your egg quality is optimal. So nutrition affects a lot of things. One of those things in is yes, egg quality. Wow. It's also sperm health, so for also for your male counterparts. Um, but yeah, moving throughout life, looking at how nutrition can affect different things. Like I was saying, menopause, um, you need certain things and your body changes and looks a bit different. So looking at how you can manage that better with your diet is also super important. If you're going through a, a fitness stage and you're at the gym and you're building your body up as a woman, looking at what nutrition you would need to um, you know, best support that growth is really important. And another thing we obviously see very commonly in, in girls and women is iron deficiency and other nutrient deficiencies like magnesium and zinc um, and getting those those nutrients so up in your diet with food is super important obviously supplements help but a lot of girls find that they get a lot of symptoms with iron supplements or other supplements prescribed so um, thinking about long-term dietary sources is something to really consider and you mentioned a little bit about PCOS earlier so what are some three pieces of advice for women that you can give who do struggle with PCOS definitely so the first thing I would be thinking about is your gut. <laughs> like I said, the first thing we always think about is the gut. So if you are someone that has ongoing constipation, like I'm talking, you're not going every day, or, um, or if you have ongoing diarrhea, if you feel like you're bloating throughout the day, if you have abdominal pain, if um, you're having burping or reflux consistently, that is not normal. Um, and you should definitely be trying to fix that because that is the first step to reducing inflammation in your body. So PCOS is one of many, many um, inflammatory conditions. So at the end of the day, it's about reducing the inflammation in your body. And a lot of that comes from your gut. So if your gut's not in check, then um, that's the first thing we need to fix. The, so first thing, get your gut fixed. And again, I would be consulting a dietitian, um, but just some ground rules for that fiber and fluid is the best place to start so having lots of vegetables lots of um, grain cereals seeds nuts um, um, like I said fruits and veg so getting lots of those foods in and having 1.8 liters per day of water for women or two liters per day for men so that's the first place is <laughs> the first tip but second tip would be 
to start having more low GI carbs. So um, if you're not familiar with what low GI carbohydrates are, they're carbohydrates that don't cause a big spike in your blood sugar levels. So commonly women with PCOS will get insulin resistance, um, which is just when their body cannot detect um, the when the blood sugar levels in their body increase um, and their body just has issues producing enough insulin to handle that. So by having carbs that aren't going to cause that big spike in your blood sugar levels, a, you're going to feel fuller for longer. You're going to feel more satisfied from your meals. And um, so really everyone should be having low GI carbs, especially those with PCOS. Um, and B, it's going to help with insulin resistance. Um, and our PCOS ladies tend to find that um, weight is something that they're looking to manage. Um, and like I was saying, if you're having low GI carbs throughout the day, so I'm talking breakfast, lunch, and then a small serve at dinner, you're going to find you'll be able to manage your weight and your cravings a lot easier. Now, my third tip would be to have lots of different colored fruits and vegetables. So we all talk about having your five serves of veg per day, um, but thinking again about what goes into that five serves. So lots of different colors. So instead of just getting orange carrots, get orange and, and purple. Instead of just getting a bag of spinach, get a mixed bag of leaves. So really these principles tie into everyone's diet, not just our ladies with PCOS, um, but particularly important, obviously, for those as well. Absolutely. And when discussing sort of meal prepping, what would you recommend for someone who does have a baby on the way, they're walking into the supermarket and they're, you know, getting their weekly grocery shop? Is there an optimal diet for obviously our pregnant mothers? Definitely, 100%. So the optimal diet for fertility, for endo, for any, really everyone, all women should be on the Mediterranean diet. So the Mediterranean diet is super anti-inflammatory um, and it's great at preventing chronic disease, which is why I recommend it for everyone. So chronic diseases are things like diabetes, heart disease, cholesterol, blood pressure. Um, so Mediterranean diet helps with that. It helps with weight management, heaps of things, but particularly with fertility. And that's because it has so much, um, you know, healthy fats. It's got omega-3s and fish and lots of fiber for the gut. Um, you have lots of grainy breads and cereals, not much red meat, which contains saturated fats, which of course is inflammatory and we don't want that. Cooking with extra virgin olive oil, um, having lots of different colored fruits and vegetables, nuts. So that, that's all part of the Mediterranean diet. And, and that is 100% what people should be thinking about for fertility. And, and now you should be thinking about what your diet looks like if, you, if you're trying to fall pregnant at least three months before you are I'm going to conceive that's obviously if you can plan it trying to um, start three months before conception and that's because it takes three months to um, optimize our egg health with nutrition and it also is to do with the first a thousand days um, which I can get to in a second but I want to answer your question about the um, supermarket so going off the Mediterranean diet the things that you should be thinking about is okay Mediterranean diet you should be having fish at least three to four times per week. So you might go, oh my God, that's heaps. But if you break it down into two lunches and two dinners, it's a lot more manageable. So thinking about, okay, what are two fish sauces that I can have for dinner? And then either having leftovers the next day for lunch or what are some quick lunch fish options? So usually tin tuna or um, there's frozen fish that you can get. Obviously prioritizing fish that isn't crumbed um, is best. So going for grilled or baked or steamed fish. And there's a lot of concern in Australia, falsely, about um, mercury poisoning with fish. So it's actually, 
extremely very very difficult to get mercury poisoning in Australia um, just because we do not eat the volume of fish um, and mercury containing fish to um, be affected by mercury poisoning so um, any of the listeners who may find that um, to be a concern of theirs can be rest assured that's not going to be an issue so having fish three to four times per week is great because it gives your baby lots of omega-3s which help with brain and eye development so there's that your fish the next thing I would be saying is having lots of leafy greens um, and nuts and seeds so obviously like I've been saying about the fiber um, but also making sure that you're getting folate. So those foods contain folate. Now, folate is essential for the brain and spine development and not having enough folate is, you know, um, has been linked with neural tube defects. So obviously making sure that you're taking your prenatal supplement, making sure your supplement has iodine and folate is super important. So check the labels for that. And then probably the last thing I would say, which is really helpful if you're meal prepping, is making sure that you're including eggs um, throughout the week. So having eggs, you know, three to four times per week, two eggs per serve is really important. Eggs, and particularly the yolk, contains choline, which is really good for baby development. Um, and there's also been a lot of studies that have been linked with choline and um, the health of the baby down the track. So making sure that you're having your eggs, your fish, including lots of legumes. So pick out a few tins of legumes. They're super easy to use. Edgel that has great leg legume options, little chickpeas that are pre-marinated, super, super easy. I mean, this one's a really interesting point that I didn't even think of that I've sort of found out as I've been doing a bit of research that what you eat actually affects your fertility, even for men as well. It's, it makes such a big difference. So if you're wanting to fall pregnant, are there certain foods that you should be consuming that can actually assist you to fall pregnant? Definitely, definitely. So like I was saying, fish, legumes, lots of vegetables, lots of different colored vegetables. It's really all, all comes back to the same thing. It's all that Mediterranean diet, making sure that you're having enough omega-3. So if you're not someone that likes fish, opt for flax seeds, have a tablespoon of flax seeds per day, and then maybe top it up with an omega-3 supplement. And so the first thousand days is essentially a term that labels um, from three months prior to conception until the baby's two years of life. So what happens in that time dictates the health and future well-being of the baby. So things that you can do three months prior to conception, there's been studies that show that if mum is overweight at point of conception, then it is more likely that baby will also be overweight and continue that way with life. And it's the same with um, different conditions as well. So making sure that you are having a healthy, balanced diet where you're including a lot of Mediterranean diet food. So you're not having much red meat. You're having, you know, fish, um, lots of chicken, nuts, lots of legumes. So having more plant-based meals with legumes rather than red meat-based dishes, having lots of non-starchy vegetables is super important. So starting to think about that. But another really big thing is alcohol, smoking and pollution. So there's things that can impair egg quality so obviously like I've been talking a lot about things that benefit egg and sperm quality yeah. um, but there's also things that can yeah that can um degrade their quality so um this is goes for men and women so like I said smoking and alcohol so looking at obviously stopping smoking and reducing the amount of alcohol you're having but for women particularly women who have PCOS or endometriosis and they're trying to fall pregnant um thinking about they're called endocrine disruptors so these are chemicals that come from things like plastic or um 
you know, different chemicals in different deodorants and soaps and stuff. Um, and they actually mimic our hormones and confuse our body. And then our body cannot regulate hormones and therefore produce essentially a healthy menstrual cycle to support a healthy um, conception. So tips for reducing endocrine disruptors would be to use glass um, Tupperware rather than plastic. And if you do use plastic, not to heat it up. Obviously, if you're in an area where there's lots of pollution, we're, pretty, we're very lucky here in Australia that we don't have you know, too bad skies here. But if you're in overseas and you you're living in an environment that has a lot of pollution, thinking about air purifiers or, or whatever you need to do to um, move to a place where those pollutions aren't, you know, interfering, making sure that you're scrubbing all your vegetables and your fruits, um, making sure that the pesticides on those aren't disrupting your hormones is also really important as well. So they're just a few things to do to prevent the quality of your eggs or or your partner's sperm from degrading. Wow, that is so interesting. It's amazing how even little things like plastic and air pollution can play such a role. Um, yeah. You mentioned a little bit as well about endometriosis. And I know that a lot of women suffer from that without even knowing, and especially for a lot of our listeners you know, who are listening today, they may think, oh, th this is me, I have it, or I think I may have it. You know, mm. what is a little bit of advice you can give surrounding that? Definitely, definitely. So endometriosis is an inflammatory condition. So, um, you know, those growths that you find, um, you know, are inflammation and, and they're caused by excessive estrogen. So from a nutrition perspective, we talk a lot about um, cruciferous vegetables. So that is your broccoli, your cauliflower, your Brussels sprouts, those sort of vegetables. Um, and the reason for that is because they help to reduce the amount of estrogen circulating in our bodies. So um, excessive estrogen, which like I was saying, is linked with the growths of um, lesions in endometriosis is, um, you know, excreted into the lining of the gut. And therefore, um, you know, if you think about lining of the gut like a pipe, the estrogen is sitting on the um, on the lining of the pipe. And these vegetables, these, you know, broccoli, cauliflower, the cruciferous vegetables um, pass through the gut and act as a sponge. And they actually help to remove the estrogen from the lining of the gut. So they can help, obviously, with reducing estrogen levels. But obviously, of course, all those anti-inflammatory techniques that I've been talking about. So cooking with extra virgin olive oil, avoiding coconut products that include includes coconut yogurts or coconut oils. So swapping to an olive oil or if you can't handle, um, you know, sheep's dairy or cow's dairy, switching to an oat or almond yogurt, um, you know, avoiding um, curries that might have coconut yogurt. So coconut products are another whole other, other thing. Um, and having lean cuts of meat, they're super important. But with endometriosis as well, it's very common for IBS or other bowel-related symptoms to be coupled. It happens more often than not. So if you are a lady with endometriosis and you're experiencing um, constipation, diarrhea, or both, or any other, you know, bloating, reflux symptoms, Definitely working with a dietitian to um, find what your triggers are um, is key. And it doesn't, you know, a gluten-free diet or a dairy-free diet isn't, you know, the one and only um, solution for women with endometriosis who are suffering from um, IBS, you know, in conjunction with it. That's why it's important to work with a specialist to try and work out what particularly is your trigger. So that way you don't have to, you know, keep eating a very restricted diet. You can eat a more broad diet and enjoy the things that you love. Amazing. So lastly, 
I mean, you have been incredibly insightful and I know that some listeners today are going to say, I want to find out more. I want to book an appointment. You know, can we follow her? Does she have a website or anything? So where can we book an appointment to see you? Amazing. So you can book to see me at um, Tree of Life Nutrition. If you just go onto our website, um, you can see which doctor's clinics I'm working at. So I work at a few around Brisbane and you can just, there's a booking link online. You can book to see me straight away. So I do offer telehealth. So if you're not located in Brisbane, we can chat over the Zoom or on the phone. Um, and if you're looking for me on socials, you can look me up at bumpandbeyond.nutrition. Um, and that's where I post all my my fertility related content. Amazing. Eleni, this has been incredibly informative and insightful. For those of you interested in booking the appointment or finding out more, please visit Tree of Life Nutrition. And thank you so much again. It's been a real pleasure having you on the podcast. And I know I've learned so much today that I will definitely carry through. I mean, women's health is really so important. And I'm so glad that you can really shed some light on these issues. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Next episode, I'll be joined by Karen Stapleton of Studio Pilates Springfield. So please make sure you tune in to the next episode, especially if you're interested in starting your Pilates journey. Want to see what all the hype's about? Follow the health and wellbeing hype page on Instagram at Healthy Hype, as well as myself on Twitter and Facebook at Martina Contreras, and feel free to message and reach out at any time. Thanks for listening and until next time, healthy hypers.